1 Corinthians chapter 3, though, the rest of us, you can be turning there. Uh, last time we discussed uh, this idea of, of really church matters. We started the series a while back, and we kind of reopened it last Wednesday. Um, and last uh, Wednesday, the topic was unity matters. And we talked about how important it is that we have unity in the church and how God really works through that and how God really blesses that and how vital it is to our church being a healthy church. Um, and so now we're going to jump on into chapter 3. Uh, chapter 2, uh, Chapter two, Paul contrasts worldly wisdom and godly wisdom uh, because evidently uh, there was a lot of confusion in the church in Corinth. Uh, and a lot of it was cultural. Uh, a lot of it was, uh, was, just, was just worldly wisdom. Uh, the Greeks, of course, uh, had a little bit of a problem with that, uh, with their history and their pride uh, in their history. Uh, and so Paul addresses that in chapter 2. But in chapter 3, he goes on to say in verse 1, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit. As he talks to the church here, that's pretty discouraging. But as people who are still worldly. Mere infants in Christ, he says. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you're not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when I, one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? And so we talked about that and how the, the disunity was just so worldly. And then he goes on to address it more. Uh, he says, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants to whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, he says, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will be rewarded, each according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. He goes on in verse 10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Verse 16, he then says, Don't you know... That you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If anyone of you think you are wise, by the standards of this age, you should become fools, so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness, and again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then he concludes, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are, you are of Christ and Christ is of God. Chapter 3 is, is particularly um, insightful. You know, just, just think about the, the context. Think about the, the situation that's arisen in the church in Corinth. Um, we know a lot. If you know the letter, we won't get into all of it tonight. But, but we know that they were misunderstanding the resurrection, one of the key central doctrines of the Christian faith from chapter 15. We know they were mistreating the Lord's Supper. There was actually divisions while they were taking communion together uh, from chapter 11. We know from chapter 6 they're, they're suing one another. Uh, we know from chapter 5 there's severe cases of immorality, the kind that, that the world would not even hear of uh, that were going on. Uh, we know already from the first few chapters they're divided 
as they quarrel over leaders and, and, and spiritual gifts, uh, they even you know quarrel over spiritual gifts later on in chapters uh, uh, 14 and, 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 thir- and 12. Uh, and yet Paul does not tell the people in the church to give up in anger and frustration. You know, despite that, Paul does not tell them to draw sides and start a fight until the last group is standing. Despite that, Paul does not tell the people to start a new remnant group. No, in chapter 3, Paul tells them to be spiritual and grow up. And understand their actions will be held in account to God himself. And so essentially, he tells the church to build better. And that's the, the theme tonight is building matters. Unity matters, but so does the way that we build uh, the church. Building matters. Um, and so this is going to be kind of a two-part sermon because there's a lot in here from chapter 3. Uh, and so tonight we're just going to talk about the simple idea of building by the Spirit. Building by the Spirit. It's actually not simple, but, but it's, a simple, it's a simple point. Uh, building by the Spirit. Um, Paul, you know, he starts out here in verse 1, um, and, he, and he says... You should be living by the Spirit, right? But he says you're not. And, and, and so therefore he calls them worldly. And so he then challenges you know, this, this worldly view that they have. And it really ties into how they see uh, the leadership uh, in the church at that present time. He goes on in verse 5. He says, after all, you know, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? We know Paul planted the church. We know later on Apollos came and strengthened it uh, with his great teaching. Paul says they're, they're only servants, it's the same Greek word there where we get the, the, the word deacon, diakonos. It's, it's just a servant. To whom you came to believe, he said, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. And he goes on to say, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So, you know, just wanted to reemphasize this because Paul, he goes on to say, you know, really, you know, he kind of he kind of makes these two these two statements within this text here in verses five through nine. Uh, the first thing he says is that is that myself, uh, you know, and, and Apollos, he says, we're just we're just servants of God. Right. And he actually says in verse seven, he says, he says, we aren't we aren't anything. We might say today we're we're nothing. I mean, this is the Apostle Paul. This is the amazing Apollos. And Paul says, we're nothing. We're nothing. And, and in some, you know, compared to God, that's absolutely true. Paul and Apollos are really nothing compared to God and his, and, his, and his greatness and his goodness. And so we see Paul challenging the worldliness of making leaders our saviors or making them bigger than they are. And that's even true of the Apostle Paul, let alone anyone else uh, who might be a leader in Christianity. And, and, and so... To not be worldly as we build the church, we have, to, we have to see God clearly. And if we see God clearly, we realize how big God is, how mighty God is, how wise God is, how strong God is. And so no matter how big a personality is or a person is, and I dare say there was none fewer than Paul the Apostle, in comparison to God, they're nothing. Right? They're nothing. And so that's the, that's the contrast uh, that Paul is trying to make to get the perspective back on track. Because they've made man too big. When you make man or woman too big, you start to make God too small. And that's a slippery slope, of course, that he's challenging them to change and repent of. And then in verse 8, he, does, he, he doesn't discredit uh, you know, leadership as well. Uh, in verse 8, he says, you know, Paul and Apollos, you know, he says together in a sense, you know, they're one. They're, they're equal parts. They both had a part to play. One was a, pl- you know, a planter. One was a waterer, right? 
And so he's not, he's not saying that at the same time that it doesn't matter. He's not belittling leadership at the same time. In verse 5, he says, through them you came to believe. In verse 8, he says, they planted and watered and God will reward. He'll reward that very work. And so it's also worldly to dismiss and belittle leadership in God's church. And so they seem to have both of those struggles here uh, that Paul seems to be uh, addressing. But in the end, he says in verse 9, we, we, are, we are co-workers in God's service. You, referring to the church, are God's field. And another analogy he gives, of course, is God's building. And it'll shift to the building analogy, which we'll look at more next time uh, from the text. And so he's really challenging them to, to really uh, mature, to have a healthy perspective of the church. And to have a healthy perspective of the people involved in the building up of the church. And at the end of the day, you know, he's basically saying, you know, me and Apollos, we're just farmhands. It's God's farm. And he just chose to hire us and he can hire us and he can fire us and, and he, can, he can choose to do whatever he wants with the seeds we plant and the seeds we water. That, that, it's, God's, it's God's field. He'll grow it as he sees fit. He owns the farm and he owns the field. Amen. And so it's a, it's a really good thing to, to, to consider as we, as we strive and struggle to move forward as a church uh, and really continue to grow as a church. Uh, and even in the, in the, in the, in the midst of, of transitions of leadership that we know are coming, uh, to really make sure we have a healthy perspective on leadership uh, as a church. And so a couple questions here. We're going to kind of discuss through these things tonight, these two, three different points um, along this idea of building matters. The first is how, how can we be too worldly? What are some examples of being too extreme about leadership in the church? Uh, and, then, and then the second is, how can we better avoid these extremes? What are some solutions to making sure we have a healthy balance uh, within, within our local church body? So you might, you might have a thought on one of those, both of those. Uh, but I really want us to not just extract the truth from the Bible, uh, but as we did in bodybuilding, we want to start to think about how does this apply to us? What can we learn? What, what has God taught us? What does God need to teach us? That we can continue to, to build the body uh, as we need to. But yeah, any thoughts, uh, you know, on that first point there um, and on those questions? Yeah. Yeah, thanks for that. And I think this, and again, take these questions home tonight in your households at your next family group meeting. Because these are, these are big questions and it, does have a, and it has an effect on all of us, the way that we approach uh, these matters uh, in building. Uh, moving on here, um, you know, really, you know, I think Paul, you know, he makes it very clear that we... We can be worldly by being too focused on leaders and preferences and ourselves. And so we must have a deeper uh, biblical conviction about worldly versus spiritual relationships. And I think that's kind of the, the bigger narrative if you kind of take a step back on this whole idea of, of it's really about the way we relate to each other like Jackie's saying and how we can be so worldly in the way we relate to each other. Uh, and, and, and it made me think about Galatians 5, this passage, because Galatians 5 contrasts the, the spirit, right, and the flesh quite a bit. And we're very familiar with verses 19 to 21. We use it oftentimes in our sin study. In Galatians 5, verse 16, you know, Paul says, so I say walk by the spirit. Uh, here in, in, in 1 Corinthians 3, he said live by the spirit, right? Another way to say that is walk by the spirit. He says, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, he says there in verse 18. Then he goes on in verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious, right? Uh, the old NIV said the acts of the sinful nature are, 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 uh, sinful nature are obvious. The new NIV says the acts of the flesh uh, are obvious. Flesh, sinful nature being, you know, two, two ways to say, you know, the things in us that cause us to sin. Uh, and then he goes on and there's some groupings, and I don't have the whole list here, but one of the groupings is actually all about relational sin. 
It's, you know, hatred. There's a, there's a semicolon in the NIV because the Greek uh, language is actually grouped together there. Uh, it's hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. And if you don't know the definitions of those terms, please look those up later. I don't have time to describe them all tonight. But they're all about individual sin that affects other people or it's about group sin that affects other people. And what does he say in verse 21? I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so relational sin can keep us out of heaven. That's how how serious it is. Uh, But then he goes on, of course, the good news in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, if we're led by the Spirit and walking with the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Who wants more of that in their relationships? You know, who, who wants more of that in the church, right? You know, we all say, yeah, you know, whether we raise our hands or not. And he says, against such things, there is no law. You know, there's freedom in, the, in that, kind of a, that kind of a walk relationally. And he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so... One of the big challenges when we have relational strife is there's there's sin in me and sin in you when we have strife that we need to crucify, that we need to get out, uh, that we need to deal with. And it's a lot of this stuff, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. And he says, you know, back to the verse there, since we live by the Spirit, again he goes back to that phrase, now it's live by the Spirit instead of walk by the Spirit, let us keep and step with the Spirit, back to walking, right? Let us not become conceited, again back to relationships, provoking and envying each other. Uh, and so again, you know, this we, we get so, you know, someone's sexually immoral, you need to repent. You can no longer do that. If you're going to be a Christian, that's got to stop. Move out, get married, stay, stay pure the rest of your life. Whatever you have to do, be pure. And we're adamant, and we're sure, and we're certain, and we preach that. And, we, and I've never seen someone in the Church of Christ, you know, apologize about that. And I've only seen us be strong in that. But man, discord, jealousy, envy, gossip, slander, ah, oh, you know, amen, we all struggle with it. Ah, oh, you know, it's hard, it's messy, it's difficult, we're all sinners. Wait a second. Because this is in the same list with sexual morality and, and drunkenness and all these other things that we get so indignant about. No, this stuff is just as deadly. And maybe it's even more deadly because we're, 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 we're quite comfortable sometimes accepting it amongst one another. So I think there's a real relational sinful challenge to really have a healthy view of the church and to really build the church in a healthy way. And it just shows up a lot of times uh, in the challenges that the leadership faces. And so I was blown away by this when I kind of just dug into this, uh, this week's study in this. And I thought, wow, I've got to really think about how I treat people, how, how I say things, uh, and vice versa. And I've got to be just as sure to call that out as I do anything else, uh, you know, sim- simply, you know, in the church and in my own life. And so on that note, though, why is it difficult challenge relational sin amongst each other. I think it's something to think about. And the other question is, how can we better bring about repentance in each other according to these passages? So yeah, any thoughts on that? Uh, A couple questions there uh, at the end. Um, But, you know, I think Galatians 5 ties really well into 1 Corinthians 3 as far as that worldliness versus, you know, versus walking by the Spirit uh, and how these relational sins can really, can really just just do a lot of damage uh, to our soul's to the church. Any thoughts on that? Those two questions.
Let's continue these conversations. Uh, it's a deep topic for sure to try to really make sure we're building our relationships so we can better build the church. But if our relationships break down, uh, it's very destructive. Um, and, and back to the text here in 1 Corinthians 3, um, you know, again, I was just taken back uh, by the way, you know, Paul concludes some of this. Um, you know, he, he says here uh, to the church in Corinth, he says, don't you know, in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16, that you yourselves are God's temple. And that God's spirit dwells in your midst. You know, Carol was referring to that, right? If anyone destroys God's temple, he says, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Uh, and so, is he referring to the individual believer here? Well, I think he is indirectly, but I think literally what he's referring to is, is when we come together as believers, we are the temple of God. Um, and so the analogy here is, is that he's referring to to, to all of them in the church in Corinth. And so the church together uh, can be referred to as, as God's temple. You find it in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16. Again, Paul says the same thing about the church being like God's temple. And again, in Ephesians 2, uh, verse 21, he uses uh, the same uh, exact language, equating the church uh, to God's temple. Uh, and so from what we can see here in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 16 to 17, you know, God has, he has very little tolerance very little tolerance uh, for those who, by their words or their actions, destroy the church. Uh, and so that's the heart of God because it's his church. It's his bride. Uh, he's very protective. And this is, this, is, this is some of the strongest New Testament language there is. Uh, as far as Apostle Paul's letters, uh, you know, if you destroy the, the temple, you destroy the church by what you're doing, by what you're saying. He says, God, God's going to destroy you. I mean, that's, that's really strong language. And it should make us all take a step back when there is relational strife and there are challenges and think, what am I doing? What am I producing here? Is this helping the church or is this harming the church? And really being uh, humble and sober and really taking a step back. Uh, to build by the Spirit, you know, we, we cannot tolerate sin that destroys the building up of the church. Uh, and we can't, we can't tolerate that sin in one another and we can't tolerate that sin um, in the church. Uh, and that's the heart of God. Uh, that's the zeal of God here expressed, I think, in this passage. And it's a really challenging, it's a really challenging concept, but one we must really think about and be sober about. Um, you know, uh, there are times where we might disagree and it may not harm the church. Uh, Acts 15 is a case study. Uh, Paul and Barnabas are on their, their uh, third missionary journey and Barnabas wants to take John Mark. Paul doesn't because he deserted him earlier and they disagree so sharply, it says, they went their separate ways. Um, so we can disagree uh, and not necessarily harm the church or, 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 or be sinful. Um, and sometimes that, 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 that can be the case. But we know from, from Paul's letters uh, in the New Testament that he somehow worked out those differences. He speaks warmly of Barnabas and he speaks warmly of John Mark um, later on. Uh, but disagreement not worked out or disagreement not brought to peace and mutual edification usually becomes divisive in some way. And then, therefore, destructive. And I think uh, God here seems to be judging that kind of a of an unsettled issue very harshly because He doesn't want to destroy His church in any way. Uh, and so, you know, this this must be you know true among us that we that we are very serious about the things that might might harm the church. That we individually take those things very serious in our own repentance, and that we call one another to that same standard. Um, and that's true of, of, of anyone in the church, whether they're a new Christian or an older Christian, whether they're involved in leadership or not. Uh, that's true for all of us. Um, and so it's, it's a really challenging uh, uh, idea 
but I think that's just how, how urgent it is and how important it is, according to Paul, that the church really really works together to heal and to build and to grow and to, and to not in any way harm one another or, or God's church. And so a couple questions on that, and we'll close out our time here. Uh, why do we think God reacts so strongly to those who harm the church, and how would he expect us to respond as the church in light of this? Yeah, I remember some marital advice given to me when we were a young married couple and we were having some strife. I mean, it was very rare, but on occasion. And, uh, and, and I was making some point to this brother, older brother who was counseling me, uh, cause I was such a bonehead. And, uh, and I was kinda like, yeah, well, you know, I was right on that. And he's like, you know what? The problem is, is, is you think, you think it, it you know, if, if you're right and she's wrong, you win. But actually, if, if you're right and she's wrong, you still lose. Cause it's your wife. And you're, and you're bound together, you know? And so you got, you need to both, you need to both be right and, and you need to both win together. And I, and I think it's so true in the church. We don't, we don't win when one of us is losing. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't win when one of us, uh, is, is suffering, you know, from sin. We, we, we're in this together. Uh, and God really, uh, of course, in His Spirit has, has come into all of us. And so we're all the temple in our little individual temples. And so, yeah, that's, that's so, so true here. Those are deep questions. That we need to consider with former members. I think also the questions of church discipline. That's why we need church discipline. Because God is trying to protect the church. He, and anyone who, who's going to destroy the work of the church at some point. Uh, God says they have to go till they repent because they're harming the church. And so those are challenging topics that relate to what we're talking about here. And something we should all individually think about uh, and pursue and, and discuss further. The kids are outside the door here. It is 8.30 so we will wrap up. But I appreciate all the thoughts. Again, let's continue these thoughts. Uh, in these discussions, if we build by the Spirit, we can all stay humble and we can stay together. But if we let sin slide, we do not help each other repent. It is destructive to us and the church. And so let's choose tonight, all of us, individually and collectively, to build by the Spirit. Uh, God will be glorified. God will work through us as He continues to. Uh, and I appreciate everyone's thoughts. Let's continue these conversations. Uh, in our fellowship tonight, we'll bring the kids back in. Thank you.